Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by ParentTrainers.com presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Angela Baird Hepworth. Angela is a PhD student, a business owner, and the clinical director and a primary therapist for Aloft Transitions up in Idaho. She has a passion for working with young adults, especially adoptees. And as an adoptee herself, she feels like she can connect well with clients on another level because of her own personal experience. She moved around the U.S. as a kid, went to Long Island for college, and her story gets even more unique because she experienced 9-11 20 miles away from the Twin Towers. This experience became her trigger and her drive to make a difference in the world, leading a windy path to getting her master's in mental health counseling and is only months away from her PhD in psychology. She enjoys spending time with her husband and stepdaughters, writing and reading, and of course, traveling. Here's Angela. Well, thanks for being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. So let's jump right in. Tell the listeners uh, who you are and where you grew up. So my name's Angela Baird Hepworth. I grew up kind of all over the United States, I would say. Most of the time, well, for the first 10 or 11 years, I was in the Seattle area. And then we moved to Kentucky for a couple years. My parents were into the thoroughbred industry. Wow. They retired from their they had owned some men's clothing stores um men's big and tall clothing stores anyway and got bought out so we moved to kentucky they retired we moved to kentucky had thoroughbreds for a couple years and then um we were there for about two and a half years my mom's dad was aging and uh he was in arizona and i was pretty miserable honestly um in kentucky yeah yeah it was a culture shock just clarifying that yes in kentucky (laughs) Not me, because of me or anything. No, in Kentucky, um, culture shock, culture change. I wasn't ready for it. I was only in eighth grade when we moved there. And so I I had thought, like, all those things in the history books had been in the history and didn't realize that racism and all that stuff was still very much alive and and going. And so I was pretty miserable. I was also a softball player, and so my parents were all about, like, going to – a place I could ha- have an opportunity to play softball, mm-hmm. maybe go to college and all that on a scholarship. And so we moved moved to Arizona, went to high school, finished high school. I got a softball scholarship to Long Island University, went up to New York. And then I was a sophomore and 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. So 9-11 was definitely my trigger. I was adopted. So that was the trigger for all of my attachment issues. Like growing up, I knew... There was something different. I was like, had super high anxiety. I was a perfectionist, but like, luckily my parent, well, I was a really good kid. So what could be wrong? And my parents also, without even knowing it sort of did like the right things for me as an adoptee. Um, and so that was, I was, had that event and then I didn't. So what was weird about it? And I was on Long Island. So it was like five miles outside Queens, 20 miles from the towers. Well, the weirdest thing is I didn't want to leave to visit, like go back to Arizona, which is where my parents were. Um, I felt safe there, which is really weird. And I think it was just like, like, okay, this happened and what could be worse? So bring it. That was kind of everyone's mentality. And so to leave that, I just felt like no one would understand what was happening, what we went through. And, um, and so I went to Arizona. I went, actually went back for Thanksgiving and I felt just 
like, um, you know, my best friend's like, oh, my friend just lives in New York. And everyone's like, kind of like head till, oh. It's like, if you want to ask or talk or whatever, like, don't just look at me like I'm on a break, you know? Yeah. So anyway, fast forward to the next summer, I went back to Arizona and that's when I started having all of the symptoms. Um, PTSD, nightmares. I was terrified all the time. Wow. Um, just thought that, you know, the worst was going to happen, but it was never, yeah. never concerned about myself. It was always about like my parents or, you know, which is the attachment stuff, right? Absolutely. Like I want to be abandoned and then what am I going to do? But so, um, I went a few months like that and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And so, um, I was actually at my best friend's house and she goes, are you okay? And I'm like, no. And I was so anxious that it was like a fog, hmm. you know? And, uh, so I started, my mom actually went with me, took me to the doctor. I went to a psychologist for therapy in Scottsdale, I remember. And, um, they got me on meds, the doctor, and then I went to therapy and I was only in Arizona for a couple more weeks before I had to go back to New York. So I continued all my treatment there in New York, but I was a softball player too. And I remember like the med that I was on just really like, like it does for people, right? It just numbs you mm. kind of just stunts everything. So I struggled playing softball and my coach was like, you need to do something because this isn't, this working. isn't working. Yeah. And I actually had a pretty good, I did okay, but it was really tough and I wasn't performing at the level. I mean, I was like an academic all American my sophomore year, which was right after nine 11. But again, all that stuff hadn't hit. Right. And then my junior year, it was like, I fell off, like just the bottom fell out. And my coach was like, you know, what's going on? And I ended up playing my junior year, finishing, and then my senior year, um, it was like a month in, because we obviously, as a college softball player, you know, there's a fall season, and I went into his office, and he goes, you know, you could just, I'll keep your scholarship, but you don't have to play. And I said, okay. And he, his jaw just dropped. He was like, what? And I was like, I, I can't do it anymore. You know, it's not fun. I, I don't think I was having fun in any aspect of my right. life, going through everything. And I was with a lot of people that obviously went through the same thing but felt alone like we do and um it was different too because I didn't have like oh I had friends I had family members that didn't come home but I didn't have like uh, aside from being close I didn't have a personal connection except for that it was just my trigger for all my attachment issues and my adoption issues and all these things and um so anyway I went to my I went my senior year and then what was weird is I was a criminal justice major and I uh, wanted to go into federal law enforcement, but after 9-11, I really wanted to do that and, like, really had a, had a drive to do that. So, anyway. Um, and that is the, like, furthest from what you are doing right now. Yes. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get right? there, but... Yeah. Okay. Very, very far from... Well, yeah, it's interesting, actually, how much of that comes into what I do now. Um, so... Because of 9-11, they were forming, everything was a mess in the government. They were forming mm -hmm. Homeland Security. So I had secured an internship with Customs. It was Customs. And then they could kept calling and saying, you know what, we don't even know who's paying us right now. Like, we can't have an intern. We can't have interns. And they're like, well, do you want to wait? And I was like, well, yeah, this is a huge opportunity, right? This is like a federal agency. Like, what I want. No one else had this internship or internship opportunity. So I waited. That delayed school, which I was already struggling with and um and so I did my internship with ICE as it was named after or after Homeland Security so I did that and then got an internship with 
U.S. Marshals, a fugitive task force, and did that. And all through this time, I mean, I'm like, I'm not joking. I, I fell asleep driving to work one day, or driving to my internship one day. I was a disaster, and no one, like, really knew. I wasn't ever, like, suicidal, or I had none of that, thank goodness. But just felt like a burden, felt like, even at my internship, like, felt like they just didn't want me there, all this stuff. And then... I got a bunch of stuff done while my internship supervisor retired from ICE and didn't do shit for my paperwork. And so it took me months, <laughs> right? It took me months oh, to get I'm sorry, all... I'm laughing. I know. That's it just took, yes. the worst. Yeah, and so I went to the dean of my school and I'm like, I did this. And I had a letter from ICE. It didn't, I mean, not ICE. I had a letter from the marshal. I didn't have a letter from ICE. And he's like, I can't accept this. And I'm like, it was like 250 hours. And I had done with, oh you know, I did, gosh. I had split it. And so he's like, I can't, I can't accept this. I'm like, I don't understand. And so I kept calling them and they're like, well, we're trying to get a hold of her, but she's retired. Like, and it's like, yeah, I'm never getting this done. So I just told him, I said, is there any way I can do another? Well, it's been so long. It's been a year. It'd been like three years since I was supposed to start this internship. And I was like in limbo with school. I wasn't taking classes at this time. I was just trying to get that done so I could move on. And he was like, no. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And he goes, well, you can start over. I'm like, start over? Start over with what? And, well, the internship, all this. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. So I actually was a mess. So I, I stopped school. Um, that was like the fall of, maybe the spring of 04, fall of 04, something like that. And just didn't go. And got into a pretty, like, verbally, emotionally abusive relationship with an alcoholic. But I didn't know at the time. And I was super, like, naive with people. So he manipulated the shit out of me. Um, and I was only in it for like six months. And I was like, yeah, this is, no, he's abusing me. But I had so much invested in being there, finishing school, all this stuff. I was like, no, it'll be fine. Mm. But again, didn't tell anyone. My parents didn't know. No one else knew. And so finally went back and I finished. I went to, I transferred everything to Hofstra, which they don't have a criminal justice major. So I did political science and finished in a year. Um, but was working at the time and then about three weeks after I graduated in 2007 my mom I talked I talked to my parents a lot my mom's like do you need help <laughs> yes <laughs> and she's like what do you need help with I said I gotta get out of here and my boyfriend at the time was awful and I told her finally and she's like you know we knew something but we didn't know that yeah and we didn't know the extent so they actually rearranged a bunch of stuff and came up about four year, four weeks later got me moved me back to Arizona so in 2007 um you know I had a bachelor's degree and I was like well I might go to law school and go that route into federal stuff and when I got to get my master's and do all that so maybe I'll do local law enforcement well of course the that's when the economy crashed the hiring stopped so I actually hits keep on coming I know so actually in I don't know 08 or spring of 09 um I got hired onto uh, Border Patrol and all that. And so, because they never stopped hiring. But I had a year, you have a year to, like, once you pass everything, you have a year to get your physical fitness and your physical physical test. Make sure you're healthy. And I did everything, passed everything except for my eye test. And they were like, oh, you have to, like, have, you had to have 2,200 uncorrected. And I couldn't even see. There were circles inside circles on the paper. And you had to pick the one that, like, was missing a circle. I couldn't see. It was a big circle blob. I couldn't see shit. And 
it was like 12 inches away from my face and I don't have, I didn't, couldn't see anything. And they're like, yeah, well, you got to have surgery. Like you can't work with, <laughs> what if you, you know, if your contacts come out or whatever, you know, it's safety. So I had a year, my parents were like, okay, we'll pay for you to, we'll pay you to get LASIK surgery. Okay. So I uh, was like, I don't know, something just stopped me the whole time. Mm. And the, the, that was a time too. And a lot of, border agents were getting kidnapped and killed and you know they united states won't do anything for you you're done you know you're gone so um that's not terrifying at all right and so you know the all of that was like the the chance of that happening was so low but still so i uh went back to counseling also um because i'd went in new york for a few years until i got off the med that i was on and was pretty good but i went back to counseling because I was like, yeah, the, what happened is never going to happen again. With a relationship and everything, it's not going to happen again. Um, and I went to, my best friend lived in California. I went to her house in the summer of 09, I think. So this is maybe like eight, 10 months after the border border patrol. I was supposed to get surgery, all this. And um, it, I was watching some stupid reality show. <laughs> I'm not joking. This lady had lost like 600 pounds. And she was sitting there in counseling. And I'm like, why the hell am I not a counselor? Like, why can't I do this? And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm not even kidding. And it was the weirdest moment. So then I literally, a few months later, I started school and got my master. I did the master's program of mental health counseling. And I did it online. I was working in loss prevention at the time, actually, too. So still in that, like, law enforcement realm of things. And, yeah, I got my master's degree but in the middle of it all I had come up to Idaho to visit a cousin of mine and she had kind of followed me where I was and uh, took me whitewater rafting with someone she worked with and that was what his family did and anyway so she it was one of her supervisors at work and anyway so we met and then six months later we got married so <laughs> kind of a story that. right there's that so I couldn't move or he couldn't move I could so I moved to Idaho and um here I am well and you're finishing up your PhD mm-hmm. but you not only are you married you also have kids mm-hmm. you're living in Idaho mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna ask you point blank because that is a wild ride of a story okay where you are now do you see yourself as successful yeah I think so I mean I do I mean I'd say I guess in every sense of the definition yeah but I think there's still, it's hard because, right, success is subjective. It's very much, I know, it's very much like whatever whatever we kind of see ourselves reaching our goals or not. And, I mean, for some people, it's getting out of bed is a successful day, right? So it's all, it's relative. It's, yeah, it's all relative. It's all different for everyone. And I think as, as I keep going, I think, yes, even without the education, I think I'd be successful because it's not about that. It's not about education. It's not about money. It's not about your job. It's just about what you're contributing. So, I love that. So then, if you could give one piece of advice to anybody that is, you know, kind of that young adult age period that might be struggling, whether it's a significant traumatic experience or an abusive relationship or attachment, right? Right. Finally, struggling with kind of coming to terms with the fact that they're really far away from their family. What advice would you give that young person? I think that it gets easier. It's temporary. Um, and you can always 
like change your path. You can always change what you're doing or change, and it and it takes a lot of work. To, if you're willing to work hard, you can get anywhere, do anything. Somebody's gonna listen to this, and your story's gonna resonate. Your advice is gonna resonate, and I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. Cool, thank you. It was awesome. it for this week's success is subjective episode stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world you can follow me joanna on instagram at lily consulting and on facebook at lily consulting llc most importantly though check out the resources link on my website at lilyconsulting.com and that's l-i-l-l-e-y consulting.com or you can just search on google for lily consulting you can also download and subscribe to listen to the success is subjective interviews on any popular podcast app such as apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, soundcloud spotify stitcher and tune in radio make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Once again, thank you to parenttrainers.com for sponsoring this podcast series. And thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.